You are listening to Back to School, a sermon series by Pastor Bay Allen. Welcome <laughs> to Faith on 68. I am Pastor Bay, and it's great to be with you today as we finish off our Back to School series that we've been journeying through together. Um, initially, our first week here, you know, you can't go into any classroom without some class rules. So we sat down with what it looked to be a covenant people. And then we dug right in. Reading, writing, arithmetic is what was set forth before us. So we started with reading, how we saw what we read actually impacts us and the world around us in which we live, in which we serve. Uh, The second, we we looked at writing, what it means to be a people that write these little post-it notes of praise for us to actually become a post-it note of praise out in the world so that when people see us, they, they may praise God. So that when they see what we write down, whether it be through our actions, through our lives, or physically writing them on little pieces of three by three paper, or however big a post-it note is, that they will see God and that they will be able to praise God, even the future generations. This week, we are digging in with arithmetic. Any math fans out there? Whoop, whoop. We got some math fans. Andrew's like, I am loud and proud. Um, so we're going to be looking at arithmetic today, get, digging into some math uh, as it applies to our faith, if you will. So go ahead and pull out your workbooks if you brought them. Um, if you if you have your Bible with you, or if you carry or if you carry a smartphone and you would like to follow along on an applicable app on your smartphone, please break out your workbooks. The scripture is also going to be on your screen as we look at James chapter two. We're going to talk about a little bit of math today. To be honest with you, we'll, I'll share a little bit of my, my soul with you. But before we do that, let's go ahead and turn in our workbooks as we were about to do a moment ago uh, to just dig into this James chapter 2. What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace and be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also, faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together, working together with his works, and by works faith was made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. And so I'm going to be completely honest with you. Growing up, math was not my strong suit. 
Math was not the thing that made me wake up and want to go to school in the morning. It was always my weakest subject, I think. Um, and, and looking at it, I think part of what made it so difficult for me is that I'm kind of a thinker. At least I think I'm a thinker, uh, if that makes sense. I'm a thinker, so I delve in deep to understand the why of things. I like to know why something happens or why something takes place. And some of you math whizzes are like, well, then math should be right up your alley because there's all these things you can learn about that. But I'm not used to things that work just because they work. That's what got to me about math. Uh, and that's what you get in math. In math, you, you get a set of rules or laws or property, properties or fact families that are all based off of one another. And they all make sense of something that someone just came up with at one point that, um, you know, way back in time, someone said, you know, Andrew, you're right. Two plus two does equal four. That makes sense. And so we will teach everyone from this point forward, two plus two equals four. Well, what if the original mathematicians got it wrong? What if they were only gifted at convincing people that they were right? And ever since, we've been doing all this learning of something wrong ever since the beginning. You ever think about that? That's why I didn't do good at math. I was better at debate. Okay? Um, now, some of you are looking at me like I'm crazy. But I'm being honest with you. I'm bearing my soul. I am Bay Allen. I am bad at math. Okay? I'm being honest. I could work at math. I could practice the equations and, and I could get by, but I didn't completely buy in on the whole foundation of math. So I never really desired to be the best mathematician that I could be. Now this understanding of math, that its origin doesn't have any ground to stand upon, that that argument, it may seem over the top to you, but think about it. There are millions of people around the globe that believe Christianity is insane because it has no ground to stand upon. There, there is no ground to stand upon. The problem is there are too many people that are looking for faith that is explanation, not faith. Faith is not the same as law as we've already delved into before because there are set rules to law uh, you can say this will happen based off of this law or this principle or this fact family in math. In math, there are these things. They're called equations. In math, A plus B equals C. That's an equation. You can teach it. It's always the same for everyone, no matter who is doing the equation, no matter where in the world they may be, what language they speak, because math is math. Well, in Christianity, A plus B equals C sometimes. But other times it equals something different. Set in stone equations don't always work when you're working with something that can't be fully comprehended or contained within human thought. You see, where math has rules and, and law, in Christianity we have this, this intangible thing called faith. Faith. And faith can't really be taught. It can to an extent, but faith is something that is caught. And I say this from time to time. There are some things in life that are taught. There are some things in life that are caught. And where math can be taught, faith is caught. That's faith. Essentially, faith is believing something that can't be proven. Or as the Apostle Paul puts it, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. That's faith. And faith is why so many people have such a hard time with Christianity. In the world, there are people who look at Christians like they've been suckered in. They've been taken. They, they, 
as a Christ follower, you're just wasting your time. Because outside of Christian theology, there's not an equation to make sense of it all. You're somehow appearing to be eating real food, but you're, you're using Monopoly money to pay for it. How's that work? A lot of people have a hard time with Christianity in that way. That is faith. So our scripture from today tells us about this equation um, and that that video may or may not have helped or made you more confused about this equation if you're bad at math like me. Because this is some upper level math that we're getting into today. Upper level even for some of our more senior Christians, right? This is upper level math. It's easy for us to misconstrue what Professor James is laying down. The equation uh, can look like this. Faith does not equal life. We're looking at life. The video talked about salvation. We're looking at life because we're only in James. We're, only, we're not going into Ephesians. We're just looking here at James chapter 2. Faith does not equal life. This first equation shows us that as Christ followers, as redeemed children of God, faith alone doesn't cut it. Don't get me wrong. To be saved, to have life, you need faith. I'm not negating that. I'm not saying anything about that. But James writes, what does it profit, my brethren... Let's check here. Uh, if someone says he has faith but does not have works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. So faith by itself in this first equation, if it does not have works, it's not life. It's dead. Um, so you wake up on Sunday morning, you work really hard, you know, getting ready. You, you do your hair a little bit. It may not look like it, but you do your hair. You, you, you get your coffee, smell the coffee, um, take a sip of the coffee, you, you set it down, you get dressed, right? You go back to the coffee, you drink more coffee. You go to the mirror to do your hair because it didn't look like you did it. And while you're there, you're like, oh, I can't wear that. So you go and you get dressed again, you drink more coffee. This whole thing brings you to church, okay? You had a lot of work just to get to church, okay? A lot of work. That work that you put in getting ready for church, it's because you have faith. It's because you have faith. Your works enter into an equation because of your faith. Um, so let's look at this equation. Um, we're going to go one more slide there, Jody. Works does not equal life. So we look at faith does not equal life. Let's look at works does not equal life. Because on the flip side, our second equation to help us reflect could be this. As Christ followers, works alone don't cut it. Works alone don't cut it either. Don't get me wrong, to be saved, to have life, you need works, just like faith. But James writes this, someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well, even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect. So James points out through this equation, to have life, we need works. But works without faith are just as lifeless as faith without works. So you can work, you can work, you can work, you can get ready for church, you can come to church, you can drink your coffee at church. But if you have no faith, what good is it? What good is it? So another equation, faith plus works equals life. This is similar to the equation that we looked at 
in that video, and then he moved things around and said this one wasn't right either and all that, but we're looking at life here. Our scripture today reminds us we need both. We need faith and works. That's where we experience life. You can think of it like this. Imagine that works is a body. Works is the body. Okay? And imagine that faith is the heart that pumps blood into the works, into the body. If you remove the heart from the body, death. If you remove the body and just leave the heart, death. It's just how it works. They can't be separated from one another. As Christ followers, we show that we have faith with our works, but this shouldn't necessarily be a conscious thing. I think that's what James is hinting at here. Our works should show our faith. Without our doing works just to show our faith. That's not what, that's not what we're to do. You see, our faith should become so much of who we are, like a heart just beating and pulp, pulsing and pumping lifeblood through our entire bodies that we do what we do, not purposely to show our faith, but because works take place because works are an extension of our faith. It's just who we are. We don't love someone. A, a lot of you, put your hand up if you love somebody. Okay, and those of you who don't, we love you, and we would love to love on you a little bit more. You don't love someone just to show that you love someone. That's not what it is. You show that you love someone because you love someone. You don't love someone for any other reason than you just do. You can't usually even explain why you love someone. You just do. It's part of who you are. We don't breathe to show we are alive. We breathe because we are alive. It's just a part of who we are. This life in Christ, don't show the world what good Christians you are. Show the world Christ. If you show anything, do good deeds, but not just to do good deeds, but because you are made good in Christ. So obviously the deeds that you do are going to be good. Right? <clears throat> Your deeds become good without you even trying, is what I'm saying. Becomes who you are. Someone asked me not long ago about fasting. They said, um, you know, do you fast? You know, I never, I never know if you fast or anything. I probably don't show that I fast, you know. Um, and so we had a little conversation about fasting. And Matthew 6, 16 tells us, Moreover, when you fast, don't be like the hypocrites with sad faces. For they disfigure their faces that, that they may be seen to men as fasting. Most certainly, I tell you, they have received their reward. In other words, just their appearance is all they're getting out of that fast. Don't do things. Don't do acts of faith just to show off. And I say this also all the time. Motive. It always comes back to motive. Check your motive. Do you want someone to see you fasting? What? To see how holy you are? Wrong motive? Are you fasting simply because someone else is fasting? Is that a wrong motive? That's something for you to decide. But whether you're fasting or, or whatever you are doing, any other spiritual faith-based thing, it, is it for any other reason than because your faith in Christ is compelling you to do it without even thinking about doing it? 
You see a flood take place in, in Texas or an earthquake in Mexico and you just fall to your knees in prayer. Do you do that so that other people see it? Or is it just because it's who you are? That's what we're talking about today. That is what we are talking today. It works without faith. Getting back to our equation. The first equation falls short. Uh, faith uh, by itself does not equal life. The second equation falls short. Works by itself does not equal life. It's when we have faith and works combined that we truly experience Christian life. The scripture was fulfilled which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So going back to the Old Testament, Abraham's works proved his faith. Faith is God putting the one thing that you love more than anything else in the world on the altar and you still are willing to do what God is asking you to do, as difficult as that may be. Rahab, the prostitute, we see an instance of someone who was saved because of her works. Um, she saved God's people and God saved her. A prostitute, many would look at and say, she obviously has no faith whatsoever. Look what she's doing for a living. Look at who she is. She's, she's going to hell. This prostitute is in the lineage of Christ. God saved the entire world as we know it through this prostitute. Don't you get it? We judge people way too much. We judge people way too much. We look down on people for drinking beer, dancing in strip clubs, being addicted to drugs. We look down on people who, yes, they may be broken, but they ain't quite dead yet. They're still a heartbeat. And we don't see it because we're too focused on their brokenness to see it. They could have faith. We don't see. We are blinded by their brokenness. Oftentimes, if we look deeper, we will see some works that occasionally sneak through. That proclaim that faith. Who are we to judge? Do our actions always show our faith? In the scriptures we see Rahab the harlot. She had this one faith exposing example that is recorded. And it brought life to us all through Christ. Faith and works equals life. So we have these three equations that help us to better understand Faith and works are designed to go hand in hand. And I don't want to confuse you. Again, I'm bad at math. I don't want to confuse you with these equations. But good works aren't going to do it. Good works aren't going to do it. There are a lot of good people that are doing a lot of good things that have no faith whatsoever. And maybe I'm not trying to sound judgmental after I said we judge too many people. But there are people that are doing good that have no faith. Okay, There are some who do. And there are some who don't. Their good works may help someone in need without any faith. It's true. There are non-Christian organizations that are doing more good than a lot of our churches if you look at the amount of lives that are being reached. But are they doing anything to aid the soul? Or just the food? To the brother who is destitute and hungry. There are people helping with the flooding in Texas as we speak that are, that are doing wonders for the people living there, cleanup crews, working around the clock. 
They're bringing needed supplies. I saw news crews bringing book bags to kids who were going back to school. They lost everything in the flood. There's a lot of good that is being done. They're showing love, but are they able to share the love of Christ with them? Evacuation shelters providing a safe place for Florida residents, people and organizations helping Mexico following an 8.1 earthquake. There are a lot of people doing good things without faith. This should have us asking, as the church, what do we have to offer a world that already has so many nonprofit organizations fitting the bill, seeing to their need? Well, we have faith. We have faith. The only way for the world to find faith, again, it can't be caught, or it can't be taught. It's caught. Throw it out there. Throw your faith out there. Are they catching a faith in humanity or are they catching a faith in God? What do we have to offer? We have a faith in God who is with us in every storm, hurricane, earthquake, wildfire, you name it. We have faith in God and our works just should naturally proclaim that faith. That's what we have to offer. As we draw this series to a close, I want you to remember what we have learned here in our humble classroom. I want you to remember about, um, about are we a covenant people? What does it mean to be a covenant people? Um, what does it mean to uh, read things that will change the world around me, change me? What does it mean to write things down for the next generation so that they can praise God? You know, um, a, a people who checks our equation, who, who, who checks our work to make sure that we have faith and works Pray that we can say yes to all of these things as we leave this classroom. And, and if you can't say yes to all these things, I also pray that we won't judge one another. I pray that we won't judge one another, but that we will walk with one another as we all grow, as we all keep learning. Because in the Christian faith, and when it comes to faith, sometimes it's not what we teach, but how far we reach. It's not what is taught. It's what is caught. What we throw out there is what will be caught. So I'm asking you, um, be mindful of what you throw. Be mindful of what you throw out there. And I'm going to ask that we come forward. Um, the very first week we talked about covenant. And um, I kind of drew one up. And uh, I was even talking with Andrew. And he's like, originally, like, the covenant. And, and we didn't kill a lamb. I'm sorry, Andrew. Um, but originally, the covenant, oftentimes, they would actually, like, an animal would be sacrificed, and the priest would actually walk through the people, like, sprinkling this blood. I'm not doing that, because that would be weird. But uh, that'd be too Old Testament for us. But they would walk through, showing that this is a covenant that we are entering into together, you know. It's for all of us. And I'm going to read this covenant that, that I've kind of drafted. I, I put it out there for anyone who had ideas for what to go in here. Um, and basically, I didn't get a whole lot of response, so I just did a lot of digging into the scriptures. Um, and this is the covenant that I came up with. Um, and if you agree with it, I'm going to ask that the worship team comes up, actually, and just plays lightly. And as we prepare our final song, if this is something that you agree with, then you come forward and sign it. That we become a covenant people together. Here's the covenant. We covenant together before our Lord Jesus Christ. 
to be members of one another. Honor one another. Live in harmony with one another. Maintain unity with one another. Build one another up. Be like-minded toward one another. Accept one another. Care for one another. Serve one another. Bear one another's burdens. Be kind to one another. Forgive one another. Abound in love towards one another. Comfort one another. Encourage one another. Stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together. Confess confess our sins to one another. Pray for one another. Admonish one another. Hold one another accountable as a church. Be hospitable to one another. Greet one another. To fellowship with one another. To listen to one another. Speak the truth to one another. Submit to one another. While not passing judgment on one another. To not provoke one another. Not envy one another. Not hate one another. Not slander one another. And not bear grudges against one another. As we strive side by side with one another. For the faith of the gospel. We do all this because Christ has loved and continues to love us in each of these ways. And this frees our hearts to love one another as he has loved us. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. As we strive to grow in faith, grow and reach out in service, and become fully devoted and dedicated disciples of Jesus Christ. Amen.